What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 85, 86. 86, we just discussed this and I forgot already. 86 of the Random Fandom with Brandon and Brandon. No? That doesn't bode well. Can I do my own custom intro, too? Uh, I mean, I feel like if you outshine me, then this looks really bad on me. Uh, I just want to do it. Everyone's doing yeah. it. I just want to do it. Everyone's doing it because we're going to talk about it later. Uh, what's up, all you cool cats and kittens? And welcome back to the, another episode of Random Fandom. I'm Brandon. What is that from? Oh, my God. Tiger King. Hello. The freaking oh. Oral Baskins and Big Cat Rescue. That's right. Did you watch it? I did. I just forgot about that. There's an analytic out. I read that that is the most masturbated to portion of every episode when Carol Baskin goes, what's up all you cool cats and kittens? Hmm. Carol here at Big Cat Rescue. I don't think that's uh, everyone's true. doing it. Everyone's doing it. How are you, man? Made up stat. <laughs> I'm good. I wish I can go yeah. outside. You could. You Well, you have a backyard. No one's telling you you can't go in your backyard. No, no. My fiance is. She's like, no, you burn in the sun. <laughs> don't go outside. Well, that's nothing to do with quarantine. No. You need a 90-day fiancé. That show is, like, really popular. You know what's funny is I found out my dad, who's just like, I love country music. He's, like, that kind of just, like, salt of the earth, like, key, keystone he light. Loves, he loves, guy. like, those shitty dating and marriage shows. He loves 90-day fiancé and oh. The Voice. And I was just oh. like, oh, you learn something new every day. All right. The Voice? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, when, I remember my dad really liking American Idol and I just randomly found that out and I was like wait random right and he's just like he's like I love it I watch every episode (laughs) and I'm like okay I'm not gonna judge you that's hey that's cool I think the when I I actually found out in person that my dad likes the voice I just was saying goodnight and he's in his armchair like normal and then he's flipping uh, to the channels and he lands on the voice and he's just like intent and it shows a little icon up in the uh, upper right hand side said it's recording said, you watch this? Show? I said, no. And I said, it's Cindy, who's my stepmom. I'm like, she recorded it? And he's like, no, I am. I'm like, but you're watching it live. And he's like, well, I watch half it live and I watch the other half later. And he's like, I'm Team Blake all the way. And I was just like, okay. My dad is uh, <laughs> a, uh, a complex fella. He more is. than he I had is. ever given him credit. He's Team Edward yeah, thank as you. well. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a, um, a Twilight reference. Wow, we're off the rails. Let's get back on the rails. Okay. Let's get back on the rails. Brandon, why don't you update folks with what we are going to be discussing today at our 86th episode. Thanks to Zoom and the power of technology, we are making this happen yet again. 86th episode is going to consist of uh, a spoiler review of the most talked about show probably of all time, at least in modern times. Uh, Tiger King. All times we're talk about it. modern times. Modern of all of modern times. And then we're also going to talk about uh, Hunters. I caught up to you and finished season one. We're going to do a pretty... Uh, yeah, it's been out since mid-February. I think it's it's fine. And uh, yeah, so spoiler reviews on both of those heads up. So if you haven't watched either, just want to give you a warning. Uh, we're going to get into it. Then we're also going to talk just a little bit about what we played since uh, last time on the old Xbox One. And then whatever else happens, happens. That's kind of where it's at. Yeah. I see you're noticing my fruity pebbles. I did. I can see your And that's a, a waist-up shot. It so is. I literally have fruity pebbles in the background. I don't see anything cool in your room. No. Oh, this is your new meeting room, right? I was going to say where your Ninja Turtles, yes. but you have to no, no, no. I, I had to take down all the nerdy shit from my walls because this is now the office in which I do business all the time. So. 
aka uh, masturbate. Yeah. What What did you think I meant? Well, no, you're a 900 operator. I get it. So it's it's business and pleasure. Dude, uh, speaking of uh, every webcam site. That's true. You're doing a good job. Yeah. I, I appreciate you staying busy. Uh, not hands-free. Speaking of mixing business with pleasure, before we get into all the stuff we were talking about and whatever else, why don't we hear from the fine people who are making today's episode possible? Give a listen to today's fake sponsor. My name is Cassius Hawthorne. Almost 60 years ago, my grandmother, Dolores Hawthorne, or Grandma D as we called her, began creating unique flavors for the almonds grown from my granddad's farm. She created them right here in our family kitchen, and it was there that the world was introduced to D's nuts. Grandma D created famous flavors like brown butter, honeysuckle, and salty Harrison Ford, and they took the world by storm. And today, Tens of thousands of people taste my granddad's nuts every day. We truly believe that these nuts are the best nuts, even if that does sound a bit egotistical. But don't take the Hawthorne word for it. I recommend trying it yourself. Get a can of nuts for you, or grab a whole nut sack and feed it to your family. So go on, grab a salty snack. Enjoy these nuts. Well, thank you to D's Nuts, and I, I got a, a genuine kick out of Salty Harrison Ford. I can't wait to give him a, a, a try. It could be the official snack nut of um, Random Fandom. It could even be the official snack snack nut of uh, Tiger King or other things. And Olympics and Super Bowl. Uh, 2021, though. Sorry. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? Sorry, Tokyo. Uh, it is, but it is what it is. And uh, how much I'm okay with it. Imagine how much money is put into some of these things that are just completely lost. I mean, no sports happening right now. Well, I mean, I guess they're sort of, they're still playing, but without audiences. Like, that's a huge, huge loss of money. Sorry. Yeah. I'm just, no, it's okay. When you start to think about the financial impact of this whole thing, it's crazy. It's like a deep impact starring uh, Morgan Freeman and meteorites. Mm-hmm. Wait, were they, what's the difference between a meteor? And a meteorite. I really don't know, do you? I assume a meteorite is smaller. Like a meteorite is a piece of yeah. meat, you know? Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's like something that broke off from the larger mass of a meteor. See, meteorite is a mix between meteor and bite. So it's a bite-sized meteor. Oh, like a megabyte. Okay, yeah. Like oh. if somebody took a bite out of a meteor, then gave it to you. You'd be like, ew. Spit it out, and then it came brilliant. Kind of cool. Cool. Yeah. So Tiger King. Yeah. So Tiger King. Let's start there. Uh, Netflix produced uh, a lot of docuseries. A lot have been popular, but I don't think anything's garnered more popular than this. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about it. So why the hell don't we? Uh, Brandon, I was hesitant to jump in because I typically steer clear of things that, A, I know are very hyped or maybe even I have a fear of being overhyped, but be where there's. Yeah. You're a you're a non you're a nonconformist, like yeah, very much so. But like for the reasons like in South Park where those kids don't like conforming, like, <laughs> and then they want other people to not conform with them, which is a form of conformity in mm-hmm. itself. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty exactly. circular. Yeah, that's the joke. Yeah, Tiger King, it it happened, and um, <laughs> it happened. That- it sure did. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that that was the other thing. So I'm like, is it too hyped up? Is it going to be any good? 
and then so that was one of my reservations and then also knowing just from the preview you can you can surmise that it's gonna have some uncomfortable scenes involving animals whether it's shown on camera or the news itself of like tigers being yeah. shot and, and I, I i'm always the kind of guy who like even if it's completely fictionalized like i have problems with movies where i know the dog dies or something like that you right. know and even though I prefer dogs over cats, and these are big cats, I still don't want any animals to get harmed. But at the same time, I started being okay with it because whatever happened is already in the past. It just sucks yeah. that there's potential that. for shit like this to still be happening. And um, at least all that to say, set up at the beginning is that they they like one of the very first things they started talking about was the legality to owning big cats, and they touch on how it's it's surprisingly not regulated. No, it is now. Well, good. Hopefully this brought some awareness too, but right. back then, you know, which then wasn't that far removed from where we are. No, it's this not. Is, when things really get cooking in this, it's only like 2017, you know, uh, 2018, some of the events. Um, anyways, where to start? Where to start? I, I don't know. Where do you want to start? And we I'll follow. Start, we got to start with the main, the main kind of driving force to all of this. And that's Joe Exotic. Or Joe, whatever his real name is that no one can actually pronounce, and they right. acknowledge that. He's like, yeah, just call me something else. So, so he's uh, a homosexual Oklahoman. Oklahoma sexual, right? But like a conservative, gun-toting homosexual with uh, an affinity for big cats, and he owns a zoo. It's it's complicated. These well, for much for as much as people can look at these guys and say, "Oh, rednecks and backwoods guys." These guys are complicated. They are, and they're not totally stupid. I mean, they're running these organizations that are pretty. You know, they're they're actually making money. They're putting entire zoos together. They're purchasing these cats for high amounts and selling them for high amounts. You know, when they're having you know breeding them and selling them for high high amounts and it's like that's it doesn't you can't do that when you're just stupid you can't do that when you're unintelligent completely but there's got to be some initiative of business savvy too whether it's well done or not then that's for the for everyone to decide for themselves but there's but it's a a certain amount of dysfunction there is social dysfunction there to literally every character in this entire series there's, you can point to something wrong with every single one of them. And I think that's, there. nowhere throughout this entire series do you have an interview with somebody who you're like, that person's normal. And I feel bad for them for being involved. <laughs> no, they all made the decision to be involved, which was A, like their first stupid step. Yeah. You know, right there. Um, and and it's like then B you can't you can't feel bad for them, no. Because they no. all chose that. Even people who are portrayed in this documentary, which I feel was, I mean, how it presented itself versus how it really is. I, I didn't feel like it was a Michael Moore documentary, but I still felt like it was slightly biased. You know what I mean? That well, being the was. case, I'll never know because I wasn't there. I didn't witness years of footage. But let's look at the facts. This guy is egocentric for mm-hmm. sure uh so is carol baskin as far as anyone can tell but they're on the opposite sides of a dividing line but they're both very similar uh well so is every huge waste owner, of every animal owner here like the uh the uh doc antle oh 
wow, what a, Jeff Lowe, what a unique character he is too. Yeah, Tim Stark. They're all these ego maniacal people who. Well, it's all money. It all seems like it's ultimately based around money. Whether or not there's a philosophy behind it, like the guy who wants women to have breast implants, and you know that the dog handle guy, or yeah. that guy is fucking, or, or the guy, disgusting. he's creepy. Yeah, he's very creepy. <laughs> nice. he, I mean, I'm sorry, that entire thing is a cult, and I know they. Oh, it's very cultish. They and the, the cats are just a. Yeah, they, sorry, I dropped my BB-8 um, thing, and it, I was worried it was going to make noise. Sorry. Oh. He has nothing to do with this. Leave him out of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what if? What if, what if there was like an entire episode about how BB-8 was involved with Joe Exotic and selling him cats? And... He was one of his husbands. <laughs> <laughs> one of his husbands. Oh, uh, that that was okay. I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit, but you know it's hard to like spoil a docu series. I thought it was so funny that every time they showed the guy with uh, who was one of Joe's husbands for the first how many ever episodes, it said Joe's or Joe Exotic's husband. And then like in episode six, when he makes the reveal, he's like, oh, I'm not gay. Yeah, I just, this yeah. guy was basically feeding me meth and giving me a place to live. And then all of a sudden, every time the little uh, the little name placard, digital name placard that would come up yeah. under him would say ex-husband. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, oh, that was freaking clever. Well, there's yeah. a- dude, That guy rules. The documentary, you know, I, I, I want to say creators because it, it's really, I guess editors is really the way to say it. The editors of this have done an incredible job putting this story together in a way that right. is very intriguing. And like, but but at the same time, they were given this entire story that is already intriguing. And then when you add the ability to to edit it together, you can make it so incredibly intriguing. And that's what that's yeah. why this thing is blowing up like it is. Oh yeah, you think about it not only all the footage that they were able to get from Joe Exotic's library of him filming basically everything he did for how many ever years, then the footage they took themselves, then the footage they got from the guy who used to work for Joe and was a current affair producer, and then the power of editing, like you said, so they can create three different sources, three different timelines into one narrative. I mean, if we're sitting on Goldmine, how do they not do a follow-up series? Exactly. Especially now, this is on the tip of everyone's tongue, and you know, it's it's the common language the world's speaking. Well, <laughs> I know that's exaggerative, but and I don't, I don't. I mean, you can't. I should say you can't go a day, whether you're on the internet, radio, whatever medium, and hear right. someone mention Tiger King. Thank you for listening to us do it, by the way. <laughs> well, I yeah. I don't know if they're going to have another series, but I heard that they were going to come out with another episode about what's happened since. Oh, certainly. Um, totally that makes sense you know as we start talking about this i i just all these things come up in my mind that i want to talk about because there are a thousand different things that are discussion worthy in this whole series right like i don't even know where to start there's no and that's so much that happened that's emblematic of this show it's just so there's so much crazy stuff as soon as you're like wow well, look at this situation or this right. person then it's like, oh and here's another wrinkle in this and just and another path that this you know crazy map is drawing you know i mean episode, I episode one was introduction to all these crazy shit and how abusive everyone is to these tigers episode two the very beginning this woman gets her arm bitten off i mean it's like 
And just like right from there, you're like, what the, what is happening in this? This is crazy. And they barely touch. They literally barely touch on the woman who got her arm bitten off. I mean, it gets 10 minutes of at most. And, and then in the rest of the time. And that's not even the craziest thing, not only in this series, but that episode. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, like murders and drugs and crime. And it, there's just so much. And just generally things that are socially looked at as just really freaking weird. I mean, down to the way that these people dress. Oh, oh yeah. And their obsession. Everybody in this is obsessed with something, whether it's cats or drugs or whatever, or just being loved by whoever. Yeah. It's crazy. But it also makes it hard to talk about. I really hope they make action figures. <laughs> I want action figures from this series. I don't think Netflix has ever licensed anything with action figures. Not even like something that's a little more kid skewed, like a, a Stranger Things, you know? Ah, uh, I don't know. Well, no. maybe they have, but I, I think, think this. If it, I'm gonna look up. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna Google it right now. Well, okay, you do that. I appreciate you. If they genuinely made this into a toy line, whether it be like Funko Pops or actually like detailed action figures, say like Joe Exotic comes with like a leg brace and like detachable <laughs> and a cane and silk tiger shirt. And yeah, and just like he has condom slinging action <laughs> to parades. Condom slinging. Oh my god, the creepiest part. I, I, I like. I, I realize there's a certain view that you're supposed to have of Carol Baskin of Joe Exotic, but granted, they could edit this and you know frame this in any context. But that doesn't take away the fact that he said these words at his husband's who shot himself one of his husbands who shot himself some people think accidentally i'm like no that dude was not accidental about it no um, no obviously not completely not but when he's literally talking about oh you know and his mother's right there front and center as much as she's just probably out of her mind oh my he's God. like oh yeah he would come up and rub in my nuts or his nuts in my face and stuff like that and, and then no. when they lit later when it, i'm like what a trash thing to say at yeah. someone's you as you're eulogizing someone and who, who, and who makes a funeral about themselves he takes the mic and he starts his own song <laughs> he's a song by the way oh, what a, by the way what a trash song, bag so has nothing to do with that guy while watching while watching this show my fiance and i were like you know out of all the crazy shit that's happening when he sings he's got a good country voice and then, Which is surprising as shit. No, it's not because it's not his voice. <laughs> he so has, he freaking lip synced at his one of his husbands. No, no, no. Post that, funeral. That he did sing. So he does. Oh, okay. In that case, he does sing. But, but the music videos are not his voice. He, they, they. I've listened to podcasts. He paid someone. Some. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like I felt like after the show, my soul needed to take a shower because it's just so weird to think that <laughs> a. There's people like this in the world. B, they're my countrymen, so to speak. Sorry. And C, in modern times. It's just, but hey, you got to do what you got to do to chase your dreams. It's just so weird. And another thought I was having is like these people who sell and breed big exotic cats. I'm like, who's out there buying them? And then, you know, I'm like, oh, shit, Mike Tyson bought one. Shaq. Shaq. And then I think of like, yeah. And I'm like, there is a real audience for this. Unfortunately, 
unfortunately. It's just, just, it sucks that those cats aren't being, being bred to populate back in the wild. That stat, the one stat, whether it's true or not, I'm going to just assume that based on someone's research is true. The one stat that really bugged the shit out of me, it's like there are more exotic big cats, whatever you want to call them, tigers, lions, and you know things that are not domesticated in captivity than in the wild. I'm like, that's lame. That's super lame. Like, what, what the hell is that saying? You know, I'm not even an animal rights guy, but the fact that the only person, people, organization that came to Joe Exotic's defense at the end on his, during his trial was PETA. It's just like, dude, what the hell happened here? This thing went so off the rails. It was like just crash television. And I loved every single episode. And we haven't even, we haven't even touched on the whole issue, like, or the whole rivalry between him and Carol Baskin. The whole. It's Trump and Clinton. What? It's Trump and Clinton. It's Trump and Clinton 2016. It's like the lesser of two evils. Yeah, the only difference is that Clinton wishes she could kill her husband. Carol Baskin probably did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's obviously a lot of memorable standout moments, and you can the list goes on and on. But that one little picture they showed of her and her now husband when he's like on his knees on their wedding, dressed as a cat, and she's holding the leash. I'm like, ah, that's just weird. That's weird for anything. Whether it's I'm not saying gender lines, that's just weird there's a lot of shit in this that is just weird and creepy like uncomfortable okay but uncomfortable to the point where it was very entertaining (laughs) and suppressing my boner yeah obviously (laughs) i could not get hard at any point oh that's another funny thing He's like, hey, you watch porn for the big dicks and the little dicks. <laughs> what a fucking creep. And that's how. And of course, you know, someone's just like, well, I guess if I'm going to watch porn, I'd, I'd want them to find, have big dicks. And he's like, well, then you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, sucker. They're straight. Joke's on you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Dude, what a show, though, right? It is. It was very entertaining, very nearly unbelievable, but it's. It's also very disturbing, and I don't know. It is what it is. It's sad that this exists in our world. So let's have some – I mean, it's you can't really review a, a docuseries to me, to me. I'm not even going to put a review on it because – No, 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 nor should we. But let's, let's, let's go down the line. I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to answer them as well. So agree or disagree, Carol Baskin killed her former husband. Oh, fuck. I uh... – or had something to do with it? Honestly, no. I don't think okay. so. I, I think she did. Because had something no, to do with it, at least. I think she was lying. He didn't just up and disappear because he had early onset dementia or something like that. No, but there was also other people who said that he wanted to move to Costa Rica and get away from her. And, I mean, if you got the money. That's true. And it, that, yeah. And would you, I would just ghost her, too, if I realized, oh, shit. My life is attached to to this person. I'm a ghost. Okay, fair. Um, Joe Exotic did is guilty of what he is now serving prison for of conspiracy for murder, murder for hire plot. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was gonna say I think he's too stupid, but maybe that's why it was so easy to convict him. (laughs) Well, I think I think that Jeff Lowe basically put him up to it and basically served him this golden platter to. Oh, he just ponzi the words. He totally ponzi them. All he had to do was say the words, yes, go kill her for $3,000. And then, boom, he's in prison. Yeah. Okay, it, and then another thing. Um, right. uh, well, let's move but on. Was, was it worth your time? How about that? Oh, was that? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. 
I haven't seen a doc series on Netflix receive more hype. I think the next closest thing that I can even remember was Making a Murderer. That was kind of popular for a minute, if you'll recall. Maybe yeah. it wasn't on come across yeah. your your wavelength, but I remember that no, one. No, but yeah, I, this is by far. I liked I liked Making a Murderer. I think it was it was entertaining as well, but I think this surpasses it tenfold. As far as like the hype. And the intrigue, just like what is going on here? Yeah. Uh, Can we move cool. on to uh, uh, something, something a little bit more, for lack of a better word, scripted? Yeah, we're going to talk about Hunter staying on the small screen, logging off Netflix, signing on to Amazon Prime. Overall, what did you think yeah. of the series? Okay, everyone, spoilers. All right, and we said it at the top, but again, I want to reiterate. So if you haven't watched Hunter season one, we're going to get in depth. It started off so good for me, and it fizzled hard. It reminded me last oh, yeah. year of Umbrella Academy on Netflix. It's like, I'm super intrigued. It's an ensemble thing. They're a team fighting some bigger evil. And what the hell by the end? That, really? That's my initial take. Well, See, I, I, I feel the... I, well, let's, let's discuss. I, I look forward to validating your opinion and you validate mine, because that's what we do on podcasts, right? We don't no, argue. We don't <laughs> try to cut yeah, it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, actually, I, actually think, I actually think the show was engaging the entire time i think the entire time it allowed you to speculate about where it was going and a lot of speculation and allowed you to be either 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 you were right about several things or you were wrong about several things but there's but there's like no way that you got it all you know um sure and i think the twist at the end personally is something that i did not see coming until they were starting to tee it up and it just kind of hit you and you were like hosh and i you know i don't even want to get into that full spoiler at the end but just because it's almost super spoilery but let's just say the twist at the end darth vader is his father yeah yes darth vader is his father i did not see that coming and i actually think that that was the an, an incredible way to end the season um I'm not going to cut you off on purpose, but I just got to hop in real quick. That's where I said, literally, as I was watching it this past weekend, it's like, oh, fuck off. I literally said that out loud. Like, Why? My, my webcams. So I hated that reveal. I was like, that, yeah. and we'll, we can get into it a little bit, but just put a bookmark on that because I was just like, no, that undermines a lot of the previous nine episodes for me. And I, that's when I, that's one of the reasons why I was just like, this was ultimately just an average experience for me. So. Oh, but I don't, I don't want to put it off. I want to actually discuss okay. it because, okay. because well, it, let's just get the into show, it. The show did a decent job of teeing up these little seeds of doubt in that particular sure. character. Yeah. And it made it so that when, you know, you knew something was up, but you didn't quite know what. And then when it was revealed, it kind of, I mean, it's really hard to talk about it without going into full, full, full spoilers, but like, well, I mean, when it was revealed, you're like, Oh, it, it makes sense. I sort of sympathize with them, but I also think that he's doesn't deserve to live. Right in his yeah. current situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And at the same time, I was very surprised with it. Like it totally hit me and my fiance by surprise when we were watching it. And to me, it was a good twist. I don't think it was forced. I don't think it was unneeded. I don't think it delegitimized the previous nine episodes. I think it was perfect. Huh. I can see that point of view. That was not my reaction. And I'm genuine just because I was sitting on my couch watching all nine, ten episodes by myself. So, you know, I only have myself to account for. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, they're going to do like a Westworld. They're going to find a way because Al Pacino is not going to be in the show forever. Big, big Hollywood actors like Al Pacino don't do this a show like this long term. Just like Anthony Hopkins, if you'll recall, was outed at the final episode of Westworld That's season so one because he's too big for that show to stain. And I just had a feeling that they were going to do that. I'm like, I was just like, I re- even remember seeing it from the previews before I even watched a single minute of a single episode. I'm like, how's Al Pacino going to be in a show long term? You know what I mean? A, at his age, and B, a star of his caliber. He seems like he's on borrowed time. They loaned him, like Anthony Hopkins, as hmm. a creator in Westworld, season one. So I, I'm not surprised at the way they did with this character. But at the same time, I was just like, that just, and I'm not trying to like sound like all cool and savvy, that just undermines a lot of the intelligence and the storytelling of the characters and all the flashbacks in the previous episodes. So let's say, sorry, this is just spoilers. It is. It's hard to talk about. I'll try to be as, as sensitive as possible. That character goes and gets plastic surgery and then learns, spends 30 years learning about Jewish culture. You can't change someone's eyes. And referring to Jonah, they made his character so in tune with his grandma and they made his grandma so like just that traveled world knowledge person who can just read a person. How would she not look in this guy and see that it's not him in the eyes? Because you can get plastic surgery by the top scientists, but the eyes can't change. You can't get ocular implants unless it's like freaking Minority Report. Great movie, yeah. by the way. 18 I, years old, that movie. I agree with you. I, I do agree with you. But, but how would she, of all people, not know that it's, this is an imposter and this is the guy that tortured her? But how much time has passed? I mean, 30 years. 30, yeah. So you're going off of complete memory of somebody from 30 years prior. She looked this guy straight in the eye countless times prior to her taking her leave in real time and couldn't tell that this was the guy that actually had a, a the German scientist had a boner for her, assuming the role of the person who loved her. It just, I was just like, I can't buy that. No, no. I and I was get it. I totally get it. And I that I that thought came to me too. But I mean, all things considered in a twist, they tried oh, yeah. to cover their they tried to cover their their They did. They did as much as they could. I'll I'll grant you that. And it, it was all and it's not so much about like, oh, this character's been in the shadows the whole time, you know, basically selling out his fellow, you know, war criminals to save his own ass. And, you know, as an act of contrition, I mean, yes, that's a huge part of it. But it was, as far as the story, right, and going forward, is about to prop up Jonah. Like, he couldn't make the kill himself, and now he finally does. So I, I appreciated it for that. Right. But that just, to me, again, the, the, the term that I'm going to use, and it's, it's authentic here, it's just undermined the previous, and everyone's intelligence. Like, how would they not know? Like, these guys are, like, world-class spies or failed movie stars or you know black power activists just the top in their class how would they not 
sniff someone out like that. Because he because the guy studied the Torah for thirty years. He's completely funding them, and he brought them together, and he is more dedicated than any of them to hunting down the Nazis. So why would they ever think anything different from him? You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. And they didn't know him previously. And if you'll recall, Brandon, um, I texted you after I finished season or uh, season <laughs> after I finished episode three. I was just like, dude. I love this show so far. Or done with three episodes, loving it so far. And then as the season went on, I just there's just these little things that just kind of lost me and just felt misplaced. I get the fact that they were trying to be fun and reverential and a little self-reflective and breaking fourth wall. But when they did that so infrequently with like the occasional like in episode commercial, like explaining what's yeah. going on actually as a mechanism of storytelling, that lost me. And they were too inconsistent with it like it they didn't do enough to actually have it be a staple of the show yeah. and it, it reminded me of like a, a, a tarantino thing that's the only thing i can think of like when he like actually breaks down stops the actual in movie uh, momentum to explain something like when in inglorious bastards when they explain the plot to kill hitler in the movie theater samuel jackson voice comes over in a voiceover and explains what's going on in the movie and it starts the movie back up and i'm just like that works in a tarantino film because that's his signature it felt very disjointed uh, in this, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to have fun, but it just was so inconsistent and infrequent that it just like felt very stilted from the actual in episode storytelling. So that was a knock for me. See, I, I appreciate it for what it was. I I liked it, right? The first time or two, and then I was just like, this doesn't work anymore. What are your I, thoughts? I totally understand that. I felt like they were a little bit out of place, but I also felt like that was Jordan Peele putting his unique spin on it. I'll grant you that. Very reminiscent to some of his movies. He does that in some of his movies where he literally uses like a commercial to explain something. I mean, think about what was the last movie? um, Not the one with the scissors. This is us. What? This is us. Oh, that's Sean Embassy. Us. Us. Yes. Um, In Us, he does the whole commercial thing at the very beginning to set the stage. To explain a, an important plot line, yeah. And so I felt like it was... And, and, and looking back, that actually bugged me. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess okay. it makes sense that it kind of didn't work for me here. Yeah. So no right, I, no wrong. Just like my own personal reaction, you know? I think there's a couple things I want to just point out that I think are reasons I really enjoyed the show. So, number one, yeah. it is, you know, really loosely based off of real events. And this, the real... I mean, they kept on pointing out that the United States government truly did bring over Nazis who were war criminals, brought them over. Which is a disgusting thought. It's disgusting. Who gives a shit who's the first to the moon? These people don't deserve a second chance at life. So I I appreciated that. Strong take. Strong take. What? That was a strong take, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but to the moon, and you appreciate. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. Uh, so that I really appreciated. I appreciated the comic booky nature to the characters. How, sure. How everyone, you know, you had the black woman with the big afro who's super thin and good looking and just kind of cool and hip. And you had the, the guy with the, the Fu Manchu and who's a action. Oh, uh, how I met your mother guy. Yeah. yeah I know. That was kind of cool. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and, and, and honestly, Best of all, I, I think were the, the main 
the main characters in this were just, they're just so good and perfectly cast, in my opinion. I think Al Pacino, Al Pacino did an incredible job, and I think his character was perfectly cast. Um, and so all of these reasons, not to mention just that simple fact that anytime you need a villain, you can use Nazis and and automatically- It's uniformly a villain. Like no one's gonna root for the Nazis. Yes, yeah. except Trump. Automatically- Oh, nice. <laughs> automatically, like you just as a viewer, get behind the protagonists and what they're doing. I wanted to, even though I about halfway through the season, speaking to that point, wanted the, um, I'm going to forget his first name, but the, the white supremacist Nazi, not the pure blood yeah. German, but you know, the, the white sympathizer. Uh, I wanted was- him to die so hard. And you realize, Oh no, this guy's not going anywhere for a while. No, he's gonna he's be, so well cast, man. He's going to be a, a secondary final boss. He'll be like the boss before the final boss. Um, he was great. He almost reminded me when he was, although with like a little more personality, but like just the coldness and the despondence of an Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. How we just yeah. kill like coldly and like just talk about weird shit right before. Yep. He was good. He was good. He was very good. Yeah. Uh, what else? So, no, what else? I, th- I think we need to start to move on, man. We focus on TV a lot so far. Yeah. Ultimately, I really want to like this season. I'm not saying it was bad. I was disappointed. There were some highs and lows. It seemed inconsistent. It's just, it was an overall good, okay show for me. Um, I'm looking forward to where they go next season. Although that very final, final scene with the reveal, I was just like, okay, that's a little weird when they're in Argentina. (laughs) Yes, I do. And that's actually one of the- You saw it? Okay. That's actually one of those things that I actually called out probably episode well two. Yeah, I called it out way in advance. And then my fiance was like, no, that's not going to happen. No. And we had like, I remember we had this whole conversation and I was like, no, that's what's going to happen at the end. And sure enough, it did. And I was, I felt very validated. <laughs> yeah. And I'm all for like revisionist history. Don't get me wrong, but well, we'll see where they go. We'll see where they go. So what do you um, give it as a, as a review? Yeah, I mean, as a score, one to I'm 10. just 6.5. Okay, see, I would be, I'm going to give it a nine, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Cool. I, I, if you had, like, like I said, when I texted you, I was like, dude, loving this show. If the, the season ended after three episodes, I'd be right there with you. Just as time went on, it pulled back a little bit for me. And that's okay. You want to talk about something else? I think we should. I think we should. Let's get into a video game discussion. So, Brandon, you have purchased Resident Evil 3 and Doom Eternal, and then you finished both of them, and then you let me borrow both of them, and then <laughs> barely played, I barely played Doom Eternal, and then you were saying, can I come pick up Resident Evil 3 from you? <laughs> because yeah. I want to replay it. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Um, and here's why I want to replay it, because I want to. Games. It, yeah, and I want to replay it, because I want to make sure I had a very complete uh, whole opinion on what I'm about to say. And you know me, and I've made no illusion in all the years past. I love Resident Evil. I yeah. love Resident Evil as a franchise. Besides Gears of War, it's my favorite franchise. And I loved Resident Evil 2 last year. And this was very much in the same vein. By the way, we're going to talk about Resident Evil Nemesis. And I'm going to do this spoiler free. 
I've played the game to completion twice. Guess how long it took me? Uh, five and a half hours when I explored everything the first time, and then just over four hours when I eh, did less exploring the second time. Wait, are you serious? That's all the time That's it, it took? That's it. Dude, I beat the game literally. I could have beat the game the first night I bought it. And then I was just like, okay, I'm going to stop here because I got the feeling based on where the story was picking up and, you know, knowing what I know of the original and then the music picking up all of these indicators that the end is coming. So I was like, oh, I'll finish this next time. I played it the next morning. Later that afternoon, I put it in your freaking mailbox. Now I wanted it back because I realized, A, you hadn't got around to it yet, and B, I wanted to play it again. But the replayability is not there. I remember back in 99 on the original PlayStation, um, they at least had that Mercenaries game mode, which was fun. That's not here this time. And I knew that going into it. So I was like, oh, let's see what this multiplayer component they added to the game is. It's unplayable. It's called Resistance. It's unplayable. It's completely broken. I'll come back to it in like like three or four months. But by then, I've already moved on to something else. So that, to me, is just like a, a, a swing and a miss. As far as the campaign goes, not spoiling anything, but you, you'd, if you've played Resident Evil Nemesis 21 years ago, there's no real surprises here, so it's hard to actually spoil. As far as the things they change up, yes, it's noticeable, and it's very much in the same vein of Resident Evil 2, uh, as far as like the mechanics and the over-the-shoulder camera, but it's just not there this time around. And I will defend Resident Evil to the death, even when it's shitty. Well, no, defending six, but I even like five as a, for instance. I will never say this was a bad game because the gameplay is solid. It's fun, while, but everything is like with the asterisk or the comma, while it lasts, hmm. you know, while it lasts. And then the one big thing about Resident Evil 3, Nemesis, is dun, 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 the ne- Nemesis, right? Yeah. And he's totally like secondary in this game. I and you can that. ask almost anyone, even like the IGN review who gives it a nine. I said, yeah, but. Every time he shows up, like in the original game, at least back when I played it, it felt random and he like stalks you and all of a sudden he crashes through a window and he doesn't even have to like, you know, the, the uh, letterbox black doesn't even have to come on to signify a, a cinematic. It would just happen in game. And this one, every time he shows up, with the exception of maybe one or two times, it's very formulaic and you know it's coming because it's cinematic. And it just really takes away the, the feeling of randomness that he brought the first time. <sighs> so the best review I saw for it was a 9.5. The worst yeah. review I saw for it from a, like a professional review site was a six. I'm like, okay, it's not a nine and a half. No way. Like Resident Evil 2 remake was a nine and a half as a, for instance, for me, but it's not a six. I, I, I can't say it's just like, eh, it's okay. It was, st- it's still good, but everything again, while it lasts and with caveats, it's way too cinematic for me, for my liking. And again, I'm not trying to give away any story beats, I appreciate what they did to make it new and fresh and 21 years later feel like it's like a, a reimagining, not just a, a beat-by-beat copy. But there's some huge plot points from the original they left out. Really? See, I would expect, huge. Huge. I would expect them to not only incorporate everything in the old game, but to take this opportunity to add to that story exactly. and add, add to whatever gameplay. Like, you can, in a newer version of this game, add an entire aspect that wasn't there and and i think about not that it's the greatest example but like when they made goldeneye i don't know if you remember that they remade goldeneye with daniel daniel craig was like the character it was not a great game but they took the opportunity to make the exact same game but every level was it was different sure it was it was like you felt like okay i'm in the facility 
but it's a different facility and it's much larger and there's more to this level. And I don't know, I'm not saying they need to do that thing exactly, but it seems an opportunity to replicate the game, but also add to it. And if they didn't do that, I felt like they did that in two. Am I wrong? No, two was phenomenal. But I felt like they, did they add things in number two that were not necessarily in number or in the original number two? Yeah, and it, yes, yes is the answer. And from my point of view, like I can't remember like frame by frame, beat by yeah, beat. Yeah, but yeah. like, and here's the thing: I'm not saying that they didn't add new stuff to this or make it feel new but or like wait, what? But I noticed more of the things that were lacking yeah. than I did the things they made new and different. And that just ultimately, it was just a disappointment. I would not say this is a sixty dollar game. It's nowhere close. And I, you know, I. I We'll defend Resident Evil all day long for the most part. But this is nowhere near a $6 game. Fortunately, I had a $50 gift card that I was just sitting on since like last Christmas to Best Buy. So this was a $13 game after tax and everything. A, a perfectly fine mid-tier game. But it was just, I think there's a sentiment out there from what I've heard and read and listened to that this was rushed just on the heels of Resident Evil 2. Right. I agree. It, it was never bad while playing it, but it, just like when it ended, I was just like, wait, what? And the, yeah. ver- the very, very end was very disappointing. I was just like, wait, it's over? Like, so I, can, I cannot say this was an awesome game. I will certainly not say it's a bad game. It was just, it was okay. It's like, it's like ultimately it's just like, it was good while it lasted. That's like the best, you know, s- snippet I can give it. And I think you should play it for sure when you get around okay. to it, when you're ready to borrow it. Don't borrow, even though it's a one download, do not borrow with Resident Evil Resistance. That is just not anything. It's just trash. It was just, it feels like a mobile app on a controller. It's horrible. Uh, sorry, it is. Wait, is that a part of that game? Did, is that- That's like the consolation. That's like the multiplayer component. Instead of oh, mercenary. Multiplayer. Okay. Yeah, that's the multiplayer component they attach to this. It's, it's trash. Calling it like it is. So that being said, um, that's my non-spoiler review you have your own opinions i did lend you doom you've had a little chance to mix it up last time i gave like pretty much my thoughts on it because i had just yeah. finished it how are you feeling about it so far where you are perspective to the time I'm, you put in i'm probably like one resident evil 3 game uh into doom <laughs> so i'm good probably four or five hours in i i like it i think they've done an incredible job improving on the the original game i just don't think that this game is my type of game and i've said this before but when i hop into this game i can play it for 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes at a time and i get bored because i'm like i'm doing the exact same thing yeah i feel like i I need and this is me personally i need a story as well as gameplay to bring me along and they do not do a good – they try. I, I'm not going to say they don't. And from what I understand, the story gets better as you go on. But they tell the story through these things that you have to read. And That's I, what I said last time. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Like, give no. me the story. And, I mean, you started doing cinematics, so let's, like, just lean into that. Give me the story more in cinematics. Um, help me world build here. Like put me in the situation. Instead, what they do is they say, here's a gun, here's a gun. 
and here's an arena with a shit ton of bad guys, go blow things up and tear people apart. And though I like that in gameplay, I don't like that in the overall length of a story to pull me along the entire time. I mean, there's a reason that games like The Last of Us or God of War are some of my favorite games that I've ever played. It's because they do an incredible job of telling a story throughout the game. And it be, there, it's like seamless gameplay to storytelling. I feel like this game, and I know it's the style and I know it's intentional, but my personal opinion is the way that they tell the story is not to what I prefer and it doesn't pull me along. And so therefore the gameplay is the only thing that keeps you going, right? It's like the only thing, but it gets just, it gets a little tiring to just kill, you know, a thousand of every enemy in every arena that they give you. It's just repetitive in my opinion. That being said, they have done an incredible job on improving the mechanics, the, the movement, and little tiny things that they've done to the upgrade system and the guns are really incredible. Like adding a chain to the super shotgun is stupidly cool. Isn't it? Yeah. So that's my just blah, like my download of what I'm feeling about this game right now. Though a couple weeks removed and we're different people, the things you're saying is how I remember. I don't know if it came off the way that same way in the last recording, but I remember saying very similar things like the story is just not there, but the things that does well, it does exceedingly well. And I remember mentioning the mods and the movement and even like the traversing, but yes, it is repetitive for sure. See it through to the end though. I I mean, if you've already put away five hours, it's worth seeing it through to the end for sure. And then by the time you're done with it, I might want to replay it or at least the cool thing is they have a, a form of fast travel in this game that if you get to the end of the level, you can go back to any beacon, which are like every quarter of the level or so. Um, and then it makes uh, going back and picking up missed items fun. Because I will say, even though I probably already said this in the last time, the, the map is very refined this time around. So you, mm-hmm. you can actually see where something is. So you're like, oh, okay, I don't know how to get there per se, but I see like that I have to change this level here and then platform over here or something like that and they do um, a good job of teasing you with these uh secrets that you have to find some yeah sometimes showing you a secret in plain view and you just got to figure out how to get in there yeah i appreciate that and sometimes not showing you in front of you at all but if you you just kind of have to every once in a while check the map and be like oh there's something over here how do i get there and yeah. i do appreciate that and I agree that that adds to the replayability like you're speaking to, but I don't think that's a reason, in my opinion, I don't think that's the reason to continue pulling me through playing it all the way through. I will, but that's not it. Yeah. And let's be honest, this game is very, doesn't hide the fact that it's a basically a repetitious arena shooter. Shooter. You walk down this hallway, solve this slight little puzzle, opens up this corridor to a big arena with teleportation and environmental hazards and a crap ton of enemies they come tiered like oh it's this you know the the grunts and then it's this boss and then this boss and when you beat this boss it clears the arena for you 
It makes no illusion. It just does what it does so well. And that's why I thought it was an improvement ultimately. But uh, your full formed opinion is coming as soon as you beat it. Uh, are you playing anything else? Uh, just, just Warzone, which I can't stop playing. Call of Duty Warzone. Warzone. I can't stop losing, so, but I guess playing equal losing in the pursuit of winning. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's all right. I'm not sure about some of these changes it made. Holy shit. Was it a big download, but I don't even know what actually transpired except for now that my <laughs> squads basically. Have you well, noticed anything else? Really? There's trios, there's quads. I wish they'd have doubles. That would be cool, but no, I mean, yeah, I could go. And I'm sure there's just basic quality of life improvements and, but that's it, man. That's a, well, and I stopped playing Ori because I, you know, you gave me Doom, and that's my main. That's my. That's yeah, exactly. Uh, Doom is my main uh, non-online game, and then campaign. Yeah. Warzone. Yeah, campaign. Yeah. Warzone is my main online game. So I, uh, being, you know, big proponents that we are of uh, Xbox Games Pass Ultimate, I uh, even though I never played it, it's already two years old, which is crazy. I just recently picked up uh, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. Oh, it's so good. I, I'm about four or five hours in, and I feel like the end's already coming. It is kind of like Doom in that, hear me out, that okay. it makes no illusion as to what it is, and it's very repetitious in what it does, but it does what it does very well. It's, like, it's, it's basically a yeah. walking simulator, light on combat, with a huge scare tactic at the beginning that actually never really comes to fruition with the, uh, the rot going up her arm and like the, the, well, so just so you know, the rot on her arm, it, that actually does come to fruition. If you were to die more often, the more, yeah. you, the more you die, the more the rot takes over. Um, yeah. but it's, it's, it's something that you don't really notice if you're dying kind of at a lower to regular amount. So the, the, the threat or the tease of like losing perma, permadeath, as they call it, you know, losing your progress. I guess, yeah. I, I, th I think that's a cool tone to set, but the game never pays mm -hmm. off. And that's fine. I, I would hate to, you know, do all that for nothing. Um, it, it is basically a walking simulator slash puzzle game with a slight element of combat. But as an experience, and I haven't finished it completely, but it's not an awesome game as far as gameplay goes it's very basic it's very indie and that's fine an experience however is freaking great and yeah. i love at the very beginning of the opening credits like to learn more about mental health not like trying to say like hey we're just exploiting this to up our sales it's actually saying like hey we actually talked we consulted with people who are behavior analysts and mental health professionals to be mm -hmm. sensitive but also use this as a driving force in this game set in this fictional slash not so fictional world of post-apocalyptic viking chick i was just like even though the, the the gameplay itself i'm just like ah this is basic but when i turn it off i think about it yeah so that's kind of a, a cool thing if you haven't gone back uh or if you haven't played that definitely go back and give it a whirl that would be my kind of like you know I suggestion th for the next how foreseeable long that we're on lockdowns like that definitely is worth a play it, not for the gameplay but the experience well okay i do think that the gameplay I think the gameplay was good. I mean, the gameplay is puzzles, but I think that the fighting, when the fighting was there, it it was different. It wasn't free range. It wasn't what we're used to, but it was... It's on the rails, for sure. But you had to get good, though. Like, you, it, it made you get good at, at that style, and I appreciated that. 
Yeah, uh, it ramped up as time went on. Again, I haven't finished it yet, but I know I'm close. Based it's, on it's good. I I really enjoyed that. The graphics are incredible. The acting on is incredible. Um, and How about number two though? It just gets me hyped for number two. Right. Yeah, for nice. sure. Be like, all right. I think I think that's it. Right. We, we're we're coming down the mountain here. Um, I'm gonna say only if you want it to be. I've had a lot of fun, but if you if you're you know reaching your limit, I understand. I think so. I think we're getting to that time, which, which brings to the shadow of the synopsis. I'm going to give it to you, Brandon. Gross. Are you Are you ready for this? We'll see if you yeah. Know what's cool is being that we're not in the same room. I can look it up and just uh, tag search while you're talk, talking and just make myself sound cool, like I know oh, what's actually going on. You can if you want to be a douchebag about it. But yeah. So let's see. I'll right, tell you if I genuinely want Yeah, you'll know if you need it. Yeah. Hey, here's, your, here's your synopsis. Okay. Ted's dream date never happens because on the night of his big shot, he suffers from an embarrassing injury. This day haunts him for 10 years until he decides to hire a private investigator to track her down so he can once again try to reconnect with his crush. Unfortunately, the private investigator also grows feelings for her and begins using his investigation skills to try and trick her into falling for him instead. Ted then travels to meet her and has to weave through the web of lies that the PI and others have woven along the way before he can try to win her over. Do you know what it is? Uh, I do. You're nodding, but we're on a podcast, so nobody... Sorry, I forget. I forget. I forget what we're doing. Um, I do. I'm just trying to be dramatic and give it a second in case anyone's trying to figure it out. Uh, join me, listeners, in saying that's something about Mary. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Shut up. I gotta say, it's not overhyped. It's not underhyped. It's just hyped. Well, it's just perfectly hyped of a movie. <laughs> well, then I it wasn't guess like funniest stuff ever, but it was. It was a good movie. It was. It was. It, that was a, a Fairly or Farley Brothers production, however you yeah, pronounce yeah, yeah. them. And they never really reached those heights again. Like they had Stuck on You. And although one of the dudes went on to make a best picture just last year, uh, that Green Book movie, one of the brothers, I think what? Joe, he made, made that? Green Book. Yeah, that was him. Uh, I think he wrote and directed it, or at least directed it or something I like that. I have still not seen that. Dude, Viggo Mortensen's such a good actor, too, because you know he was obviously the main star of that with uh, Maharshala Ali. And yep. now that freaking oh crap, I'm at fifteen percent power. Perfect that we're wrapping up. Uh, now that you know everything, you know is on TV is either reruns or they're showing blocks of things. AMC all weekend long, we're playing nothing but the extended version of Lord of the Rings, even with commercial breaks. And I was just like, I forgot how good these are. And Viggo Mortensen is like such an anchor in that. So props I to Lord of the Rings. There's something about Mer- There's something about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Sorry, Mer- uh, uh- I recently watched all all the Lord of the Rings recently, and it's just to me they're so incredible. It's to my soul, yeah, it's the oh. best trilogy out there, and I will always love Star Wars four, five, and six in my heart. But let's face it, there's no better trilogy. True. Don't count the freaking Hobbit movies. Yeah, those those are just like the step cousins. Those are like the Joe Exotics of <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Okay, well, on that note, I have an awesome quote in geek history because you know you deserve it, I deserve it, our listeners deserve it. I want to do something actually um, musical today. 
So uh, Tenacious D is probably like one of the geek friendliest bands out there. Would you agree? I would. So this is from their song Tribute, and it's this uh, episode's awesome quote in geek history. Give a listen. And the beast was done. He asked us, be you angels? And we said, nay, we are but men. Always coming strong with awesome riffs and funny lyrics, Tenacious D. Thank you, Brandon, for that awesome quote in Geek History. As we wrap hey, thank up, you. Yeah, as we wrap up the rant, I did not hear what you said. What? I said thank you. Oh, thank you. I mean, you're welcome. Hey, okay, real quick. I mean, I know we're random and all, but do you remember how many years ago when I tried to make a mixtape compilation for my then-girlfriend, now former wife? And we freaking remixed um, Fuck Her Hard by Tenacious D. And you like, and like, I like did the lyrics to it and you like played the guitar and like we recorded it. I don't remember that at all. Are you serious? It was like over 10 years ago easily. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like something we would do. So stupid. So lame. I think it was in your old shoebox apartment too. Probably. So how did that work out? Did you, did you, did it work? I, I mean, I eventually got laid. Thousands of dollars later and heartache. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we're about to head out of here. So please send us an email at randomfandomcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We also yeah. have a Twitter account that we don't check, and that is Brandon. But give us reason. Give us a freaking reason to go check it at randomfandomwbb. You know, we're really bad at social media. Yeah, but we're good at this. So eh, find what works for you. Are we? By the way, okay, yeah. So I just, last thought, last thought, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, But this is worth it. Finally found out the answer to what would happen if you hurt, hurt, hit a uh, wild turkey with a Prius just uh, two days ago. I hit a wild turkey. It was crossing the street. There's a pack of them, three of them running. And then I honked to get him out of the way. And then as soon as I sped up, one turned back, right? And I'm, and I'm going to tell you, Priuses are not much stronger than turkeys, but my Prius survived. <laughs> prevailed so well i mean to be fair they should be in quarantining so that's kind of on them yeah there's a shelter in place and those turkey it's their fault it's their fault it is their fault yeah (laughs) and the rock of gibraltar all right let's end this yeah please all right everybody thank you for being a fan of our fandom and stay geeky everyone